millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Friday, March 24th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, a severe weather system could bring tornadoes and hail to the Magnolia State. We talk to the National Weather Service. Then, efforts to revive the ballot initiative process are in dire straits, as the Senate fails to take up the resolution on deadline day. Plus, educators and advocates continue their push for fully funding public schools. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. When spring arrives in Mississippi, it usually brings with it a season of severe weather. One of those threats is a system with the potential for tornadoes and other hazards to move into the state, and we may see that today. For more, we're joined by David Cox of the National Weather Service in Jackson. Thanks for being with us, David. Yes, thank you for for this time. Tell us, how severe will the weather be today? Yes, we are anticipating uh, significant severe weather uh, is likely across the majority of the state. Uh, We are anticipating uh, tornadoes uh, are likely, especially uh, along the northwest of the Natchez Trace Corridor. Uh, We could have uh, strong tornadoes, and there is some possibility of a long tract as well. Uh, There will also be potential for damaging winds of 70 to 80 miles per hour and large hail, uh, even up to a golf ball size, uh, into this afternoon to evening across portions of the state. Is this pretty much eminent, or could it change course? Uh, right now, we still are seeing uh, indications uh, that this still continues to be likely. So uh, we're not seeing much much changes in terms of uh, potential uh, that this would uh, not have as intense uh, activity as uh, what has been anticipated. What time frame are we looking at? Uh, well, right now, right along the Mississippi uh, River corridor, uh, there could be some early development uh, right around 5, uh, 6 o'clock and persisting uh, into the evening hours. And then that will progress across the state into the early evening um, around 8 to 10 o'clock in the I-55 corridor and moving into the eastern to southeastern portions of the state uh, by late tonight into uh, the overnight hours. Will we see storms tomorrow? No, uh, these storms will be moving out um, 
by our overnight, um, really just, just after midnight or, or so. And then we will be clearing out tomorrow with uh, another round of potential severe weather activity until late into the weekend on Sunday, but uh, nowhere near as uh, severe and as intense of a uh, storm event as today. Well, here we go again with the storms coming into the night when it's difficult for people to know that there is severe weather and it's more dangerous. Yes, we will. With all of this activity into the evening hours, um, it, as you mentioned, that this we will have uh, quite a bit going into after the sun goes down. So you definitely want to have your precautions in place. Um, luckily, we aren't anticipating majority of this to be an overnight event, as uh, some that we've had uh, through the fall into and moving into the spring. But um, for the most part, uh, we still are anticipating some of this to be into as the sun goes down. So that, unfortunately, uh, for that, we will have activity we'll have to keep an eye on into this evening. Why does Mississippi experience such an active, severe weather pattern in the spring? Well, in the spring, there's usually a combination. Uh, the strong jet stream usually dips down into the southeast combined with a lot of the Gulf moisture. Uh, the combination of those two factors uh, together uh, can lead to severe weather, including tornadoes and wind and hail. Mentioning tornadoes, what are, what's the prospect of seeing tornadoes? Uh, there's a Tornadoes are definitely uh, pretty likely today. Um, especially in any individual uh, supercell thunderstorms that develop out ahead of that front. So we're, we're definitely concerned about that and potential for strong and even can't rule out a, a long track uh, tornado as well, especially in the northwestern uh, portions of the state. What advice do you have for folks since this storm is going to go into the night and there is the threat of tornadoes? Definitely have uh, means and ways of communication. Um, have preparations for your family where where you need to go if uh, a watch or definitely a warning is issued for your area and have ways to receive those uh, watches and warnings. Uh, Keep your phones on, uh, weather radios, um, and also keeping up with local media. David Cox with the National Weather Service in Jackson, thank you so much for taking time out to speak with us and give our listeners an update on what we can anticipate today. Yes, you're very welcome and, and stay safe. Thank you. You too. Coming up, efforts to revive the ballot initiative process are in dire straits as the Senate fails to take up the resolution on deadline day. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio, or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Mississippi lawmakers will not be reinstating or updating the ballot initiative process this legislative session. Both chambers advanced Senate Concurrent Resolution 533. It would have created an initiative process to replace the one struck down by the Mississippi Supreme Court two years ago. 
The right to a ballot initiative is secured in the Constitution, but the process by which a citizen referendum was deemed unconstitutional by the state's high court, and despite widespread public support and soft promises from legislators, the issue remains unresolved as the end of this session nears. Matt Steffi is a professor at Mississippi College School of Law. He breaks down the state of voter-driven policymaking with our Kobe Vance. The powers that be, that is the people in charge of the legislative process, uh, have no desire to share part of that power with the body politic. I think they believe that the wiser course is to have your have elected officials handle legislation, not have the initiative process write and implement it. That said, there's no doubt Mississippians want it. Mississippians thought they had it. And, and the legislative process is simply not responsive to that desire, uh, to that void. I, I think there were real problems with what we had on the table, but you know, something's better than nothing and we appear stuck at nothing. And I, my take on this has to do with a lot of things we have seen going back to House Bill 1020, um, that there are real systemic problems when one party holds unchecked, unchallenged power. When one party, in this case Republicans, have such a stranglehold on a power at the statewide level and at the kind of policymaking level, the party has free reign. And so I think the more a party is used to having consolidated and unchecked power, the less it feels the need to be deeply responsive to the body politic, to the people of the state of Mississippi. And I think this is one example of that. I wanted to step back for a moment and look at the initiative process in a larger perspective, back in 2021, Mississippi's courts ruled that there was a disconnect between the Constitution language and the initiative process itself. And in, yes. in doing so, ruled that despite it being in the Constitution, the initiative process is unconstitutional. Can you yes. explain that for for us? Uh, where Where's the disconnect? Well, the disconnect was that the, the initiative process referred to having a proportionate number of votes, 20%, out of each of the five congressional districts that existed at the time the initiative process was first put into law. And that was a quite a difficult and burdensome process. But over time, Mississippi lost population and lost population relative to the rest of the country and lost a, a seat in the House of Representatives, thus changing from five to four the number of, uh, of relevant congressional districts. Now, the Attorney General believed that there, there was a workaround with that that had been in effect for, oh gosh, 20 years, and, uh, but that the court, rather all of a sudden, and despite the fact that numerous amendments had been passed using this process, decided that we just couldn't live with that so-called disconnect before, that we couldn't adjust the math from having to get a, a proportional number of signatures, 20% uh, from five districts 
into 25% from four, or for that matter, just using the old districts for the purpose of counting uh, signatures. So rather than avoiding the issue as it had for decades, or correcting the issue as it readily could have done, the court simply struck it down. Now the court includes people with legislative experience who are part of the general systemic dislike for initiative politics. So in other words, really wherever you look, wherever you find political insiders, you find a view that we are better without the people getting their hands on the reins of power. That only the, those elected and charged with it can be trusted with making policy decisions and taking legislative action. Looking forward, do you think there's going to be any resolution in the coming years uh, about Mississippi restoring an initiative process now that we've seen two years of lawmakers not being able to come to that decision? I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if we had this exact same conversation next year and the year after and the year after that. You know, the, the reality remains the legislature never wanted to have an initiative process, put one in place that, uh, that was difficult. When the, the, the court struck one down, one that had been operating in its identical form for two decades, you know, and I don't think it was a coincidence that uh, a medical marijuana provision was the was where the initiative process got struck down. It was one thing when it was eminent domain. It's another thing when it was something politically difficult. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if nothing happened, nothing continued to happen in uh, in over the next two to five years. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw an onerous, expensive process come out over the next couple of years. What would surprise me the most if, is if we had a genuine, accessible, user-friendly uh, initiative process emerge ever, emerge at all, because that would take a sea change in the point of view uh, at the legislative level. Mississippians still in the Constitution have a right to an initiative process, but lawmakers have not taken the steps to make one that is valid under the constitutional language. What do you think that says for Mississippians? Uh, that if they want change, it's going to come through uh, the ballot box. It's going to come through holding accountable uh, legislators that have stood in the way. Okay, well that answers all my questions. Thank you so much for talking with us. It's always my pleasure. Keep up the good work. Coming up, educators and advocates continue their push for fully funded public schools. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. When you look at your vehicle, think of MPB. Need to get rid of your ride? Donate it by calling 877-MPB-4-CAR. Need to have some work done on your truck? Listen to AutoCorrect Thursdays at 10, Saturdays at 11. An MPB license plate reminds you that MPB is with you wherever you go. Go to your county office and ask for an MPB car tag. MPB and cars, better together. 
This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Educators were joined by allies and advocates at the Capitol yesterday to push for legislation to fully fund public schools, helping lead the charge with Senate Minority Leader Derek Simmons of Greenville. Say strong schools. Strong schools. schools. Stronger Mississippi. Stronger Mississippi. The legislature is in the twilight days of its session, the last before November's elections. During the last four years, lawmakers have voted to expand early learning collaboratives and give teachers a historic pay raise. But for the last 15 years, the legislature has stopped short of fully funding the obligations set forth by the Mississippi Adequate Education Program. It's something former Representative Jim Evans says is a failure of duty. I spent 24 years down here, some of those years on the Education Committee. And I saw us every year watch everybody come in and they said they believed in public education. And then I would watch when appropriation time come, this time they pass a 10-can budget. All right. I was at 24 years and you tell me this is the second time. I hope it's every year. Uh, Brother George Flack and I used to argue and said, well, Jim, won't you be more happy than you are? I said, because it says the minimum. All right. And we dead last. How are we going to ever raise to get toward the top if we won't even fund the minimum? That ought to be without question. And where do we go from here? And we got $3 billion of help to help us off the bottom. I didn't come to say this because I came because I am thankful and grateful that for the second time we funded William Winner's minimum program. Second time. And I remember it so well, but what I remember most is folks like George Arsenault and other folks who were with MAE down there every day, calling all night. And I remember you, and we are here because you said we're not going to accept it anymore. And, and in this couple of minutes, I want to say, you know, I retired from here, but I didn't retire from preaching my father's word, and I see he's shining bright today. And he said when he saw a crowd, I would not have you ignorant, my brother, concerning these matters. This is your opportunity right now to really dig in and do something. These two courageous young men behind me, they voted for this, and they've been fighting for this, and they're the kind of folks who was always fighting for this. But we got to have a greater vision so they can put that fighting spirit to work for a better Mississippi. Yes. So I'm come down here to say that I'm tired of being first in everything bad and last in everything good. Yeah. All right. I want to be in the top 20 in education. Yeah. These folks represent the teachers and the best of their all, the best in the world. Say that, yeah. say that. But they don't just represent the teachers, they represent the students. And if they give them the resources, they will train the best in the world. That's right. That's right. That's all we have to do, Mississippi. And we have the opportunity right now. There's currently bipartisan support to fully fund the MAEP. Republican Kent McCarty of Hattiesburg serves as vice chair of the House Education Committee. He says doing so is the logical next step in progressing education in Mississippi. 
we've got a time and an opportunity right now to continue that historic gain in education by making additional investments um, in our public schools. I come from a long line of educators in my family. My mom is in her, in her 30th year as a principal at a pre-K-5 school in Lamar County. My grandparents were teachers. Uh, I've got teachers going back as far as I can see. Um, I know the value of, of, what, of the work that all of our teachers are doing across the state. Um, the impact they have on our students, we cannot overstate how important it is to have quality teachers and, and well-funded classrooms so that students can learn and they, can, they have an opportunity to succeed. That is the most important work, I believe, of the state legislature. Um, and I think we've, we've, we've truly uh, moved the needle in the last decade in education. And I think that's because of the incredible investment um, that the legislature has made and, and it hopes to continue to make. So um, I'm honored to be here. I, I want to thank, again, all the teachers and all the people that have worked hard behind the scenes for years to continue to move the needle and make gains in education. Um, the work you're doing is absolutely invaluable. We, we could not do what we're doing in the state of Mississippi without all of you. There are two pieces of legislation currently in conference that could pave the path for fully funding MAEP. Senate Education Vice Chair David Blunt of Jackson, a Democrat, explains what's on the table with our Lacey Alexander. There are two parts to the process. Uh, we have made some minor changes to the MAEP formula uh, that everyone has looked at and agreed to, uh, which would change the law. The results of the new formula would mean full funding would require an additional $180 million uh, in next year's budget. We can do that with the state of the budget and all the money the state has in reserve, and we can set ourselves up for full funding on an ongoing basis by changing the formula and fully funding it this year. That's what we ought to do. We've uh, seen real progress in Mississippi in public education because uh, we're working together in a bipartisan way. We're making the investments that are needed. Uh, and so we need to make history this year with a new formula and fully funding it. Is there anything in the bill right now that you particularly aren't 100% pleased with? Uh, no. I think it's a solid, it's a solid, it's a consensus. It passed the Senate unanimously. Uh, it requires more money to be spent on all the other things that school districts have to spend money on, particularly in this time of inflation. Uh, and it sets us up for long-term success and long-term full funding. I think that's where we need to be. A lot of this conversation has been about how the people behind us are voting, how teachers are voting. We did knock down a ballot initiative process. Do you think that you can trust this capital to take care of the interests of teachers since they won't have a chance to vote on some of these measures? I'm very disappointed that the initiative process appears to have died. Uh, I believe the people deserve that right. Uh, but uh, And so I think that was a mistake. But I, I will say that we have made progress in public education in recent years. We have passed the largest, largest teacher pay raise in history. We expanded pre-K. Uh, and we can continue to make progress in public education. There's, there's a lot going on in this capital this year that I don't agree with. But, but, but this is something positive, And this is an example of where we ought to be able to work together. So I hope we can get it done. Democrat David Blunt of Jackson is vice chair of the Senate Education Committee. Bills will be taken up in conference this weekend. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.